It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 169, The First Olympic Games After Paul visits Athens on his second missionary journey, he turns north and approaches Corinth. On the way, he witnesses a change in the environment as he sees people uh, preparing to travel to Corinth or those on the road headed to Corinth for the Isthmus Games. The city was bursting in population in preparation for the spring 51 AD Isthmus Games one of the cities which hosted a form of the ancient Olympics. His experience in Greece in the midst of the hub of the ancient Olympic Games influenced his life, his writing, and the Bible as we know it today. Prior to his arrival near Corinth, Paul brought the gospel to Greece and led many to Jesus on the northeast coast of Greece and went down to Athens. One could feel the pull of the Olympic Games in the heart of the Greeks and Roman world at the time. For the spring 51 AD, time frame hosted a variety of sports and and world-famous Olympic-type events. Paul, being all things to all people, turned his sermons into a sort of sports evangelism. His references to racing and such almost seemed countless from this time period forward in his life, for he constantly paralleled the Christian walk with the things of his age, the armor of God to a Roman soldier's weapons, the journey of a Christian to a race of sorts, and finishing the race. Paul truly respected the culture around him and applied culture to tailor his message to be received by his audience. Paul entered Corinth probably pretty pleased with the volume of people in Corinth just for the sporting events. Instead of being angered at their excessive love of the games, he used it to further God's message. Instead of traveling on, he stayed for a while and preached to the flocks of people who traveled to be entertained. Why not use this opportunity to preach the gospel? And year after year, the Olympic Games becomes a backdrop to Paul's adventures in Greece. Instead of showing great hatred and divine judgment against the love of things rather than love of God, the Apostle Paul used the Olympic Games to further the gospel through evangelism and teaching. Now that we have arrived at 776 BC, we arrive at the first Olympic Games in world history and will cover the sacred truce. God's character, which can be learned from the Olympics and sports, and conclude with Paul's approach to spreading the gospel through the means of his time and how he tailored it to his audience. According to Greek mythology, a Nephilim named Zeus, I mean, another Nephilim, I mean his father, Kronos, I believe, or some other gods fought a battle and created the Olympics at Olympia to celebrate Zeus's victory. That's the mythology. Games created to create the, uh, to celebrate the victory of a demigod. Who knows what really happened, but we do have some pretty awesome archaeology to support the Olympics going back to 776 BC. 
According to history, the first Olympic Games started at this date. The general understanding is that the Olympic Games were created to provide unity, which was a really big deal in warlike culture of Greece. Any excuse for peace was welcome. The Olympic Games were held every four years, and other cities had their version of the Games, each rotating the other opposite four years, so that there was a set of Games every year, and there wasn't any two set during one year. The Games brought together the Greek world at a time when it was many, many city-states. It truly did fulfill a form of unity, and it created a nationalistic culture for Greece. The Olympics became a religious festival as well, a local type of unity and an area of pride for city-states that celebrated their winners. Something I really like about the Olympics is the sacred truce. The truce allowed for these city-states to not war with each other for the duration of the events. The small town of Olympia would swell to 40,000 people for the events. Olympia reminds me of one of those cities of refuge in Israel, and it became relief for the world pressures of war and diplomatic stresses between the states. One entry said a climate of peace was considered important for the Games. I like the choice of words on the Olympic site. A climate of peace was considered important. We don't have any evidence of God's prophets or Jews in Greece at this time, but this climate of peace sure sounds like a godly characteristic. We have no evidence of godly intervention in the games in ancient times, but it is inspiring to see godly character on display, unity, and peace. We'll have a few more to add in a bit. Another aspect of the games was full nudity, Olympics in the nude. The contestants were only allowed to compete in the nude, demonstrating harmony of the body and mind, whatever that means. But there's something here, too. They were naked, and when Adam and Eve sinned, prior to this, they were naked. Um, And after they sinned, they clothed themselves. There was no shame in the Olympic Games. Unity, peace, and no shame. And the, the contestants and their cities, they were transparent with each other, at least for the duration of the Games. So not to lose base, they worshipped many little g-gods, namely Zeus, and the event was extremely religious. The event was held every four years in four different locations, Olympia being the largest of the games, followed by three other cities, one of them being Corinth. The original games had three qualifications for entering the games. One had to be all of the following, Greek in origin, male, and a free man. Obviously, the games excluded females, which was wrong. And something interesting struck me also when I found the Olympic site referring to other conditions as one being a free man. Obviously, free men in this context meant not a slave. But a free man refers to one free from sin and shame in our vernacular. Like Adam and Eve naked in the garden. Interesting. Lots of interesting things about the Olympics. We even have archaeological evidence of some of the winners in history. Here's a reference to three of them from the Olympic site. The famous wrestler Milo was a principal figure during the second half of the 7th century BC. He won six times at Olympia and many other times at the other games. He thus became the most crowned athlete of antiquity, earning the title of Perionicus. Milo was not only celebrated for his legendary power, he was also known for his insatiable appetite. The runner, Leonidas of Rhodes, was a 12-time winner of the stadium race, 
the double stadium, and the race in armor. He was also one of the few athletes victorious in three races on the same day. He even managed to repeat this feat over four Olympiads. The boxer Niagaras of Rhodes founded a dynasty of athletes. He won in 464 BC, and his sons and grandsons also went on to become the champions at Olympia. Considered as heroes and role models, such great athletes were celebrated even after their death. There are examples of tombs decorated with carvings of the wreaths won during the athlete's career. A school was even constructed over the tomb of one of them. Another character of the games was excellence. It was a matter of excellence which was required to be world-class at anything. You have to be excellent. Man could be great, but to be excellent is heavenly. To excel to the highest in a field requires one to have lots of natural skills and gifts combined with incredible amount of learning, experience, patience, diligence, and a steadfastness to master one's sport, job, career, expertise, profession, whatever it is, a person to become as excellent as they possibly can requires incredible character. Excellence is a combination of many, many fruits. The Olympics defines excellence in the field of athletics. The awards of the games were simple and not fussy or even expensive. They only won minor rewards, crowns, ribbons, palm branches, No one competed for money, just to compete in the love of the games. Further, the ancient games had no second or third place. In each of the venues, their crowns were made with different types of leaves. In Olympia, it was a wild olive leaf crown. You gotta think the Apostle Paul not only used the games as a platform or cultural reserve for references, but he literally experienced them himself. Check out this verse, 1 Corinthians 9.24 Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. One of the final words in writing of the Apostle Paul is 2 Timothy 4.6. It was penned by Paul while he was imprisoned in Rome awaiting his execution in June A.D. 67. He called his Christian journey a fight, a race, a challenge of faith. It's amazing. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And we conclude with this verse. What a wonderful heavenly perspective. Like a race where thousands of fans cheer on their favorite, Paul, in his great ability, pens these words which entail the Christian walk for us all. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us.
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com. Share the Facebook page if you want to chat. Email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.